I, I really appreciate, Harriet. You're, you're here in between everything that you do in your, your work, uh, in the marketplace. You also serve as our Connect Pastor here at Awaken City. Uh, just for people to understand, what, what do you do in the marketplace? I am a funeral director, conductor, arranger. So um, I walk with families in their time of need. Yeah, that's their grief, And it's such an honour, really. Yeah. So you, you, you get to do that all throughout the week and, yes. and you are with people and they're, they're sometimes the worst of the worst and the most painful of the painful. Yeah. And you, you definitely approach life from that point of view of walking with people. Yes, absolutely. Why does that matter? Because it makes a huge difference to the outcome, really. Mm. And I think if you've got someone who is sharing your burden, who is walking with you, who genuinely cares for you and wants to make a a positive impact on the outcome, then it makes a huge difference. Yeah, come on. Yeah. So that's sort of like our heart that we want for our connect groups, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You you and I were touching base before we started recording. And you you were sharing with me how critical it was that you were part of a connect group yeah. early in your journey of faith. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you and what difference did that make? Oh, it made a huge difference. Obviously, I had uh, given my heart to the Lord and wanted to walk this walk, but I didn't know how to do that. And so being a part of the connect group gave me a community to belong to. Um, it made me feel like I had a support network. So when I walked into the church, I wasn't alone. I already knew some people and was connected with them. Um, and they also supported me in the area of prayer, phoning me up. And um, if I needed any help personally, like if we came into some kind of trouble or, or there was a grief in our family, they would offer food and wow. support. And, and I too became a part of that community where I could give as well. Yeah. And so it was beautiful. Um, and that helped me keep on track. And then there was also the discipleship part of the component where I got to learn what it really looked like to walk with Jesus. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Where would you think you'd be today if you didn't have that connect group? Oh, let's not even imagine. <laughs> really? Like it's Yeah, that it was that critical. Yeah. That critical. When I wasn't at church, people noticed and they wow. rang up and they're like, hey, are you okay? You know, noticed you weren't in church today. Yeah. Um, and I, I had got to a point where I was comfortable enough to say, hey, you know what, just slipping a bit, really feeling a bit lost. And then yeah. they were encouraging me to come back and, and actually became my family. Yeah. So very critical, very critical. So what's your heart with Connect Groups here with us? Um, my heart would be that we would see um, everyone in the house connected because it, it's, a, it's our DNA. We do life together. Mm. And, um, you know, we have some amazing Connect Group leaders who have that heart to see people connected. And um, God is really drawing the people to us. And um, I think it's important that we walk together on this journey. I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm committed to the idea. And, uh, Harrietta, what you carry with your gift and your grace to gather people, uh, bring hospitality to bear, but ultimately that I, I think your ultimate calling, this is what I love about um, your ministry and your mandate, both in the marketplace and here with us in your role as Connect Pastors, you, you just journey with people. Yeah. Like you live the journey. And as part of living the journey, you journey with people. And there's sort of two things I think we battle against in our culture with connect groups. And I won't say our culture as a church. I'll say our culture just here where we are, Rockingham, Western Australia, 2024, exposed to the whole world on the internet in our, in our phones, but yet living here in this location. Yeah. 
Uh, the two things that come to mind is that I often find that I'm battling against uh, self-imposed isolation mm-hmm. where people would sort of accept narratives and lies in their own thinking and, and constructs. And I, I personally believe with all my heart it's almost like they're, they're planted by evil and unclean spirits. It's like it's just, sure, it gets in, but then we entertain it. Yeah. And it moves from a, a lie that just whispers in like an intrusive thought and then it almost becomes like an identity, like I'm isolated. Yeah. I'm cut off. I'm, I'm, I don't know. And all the other things come into there, like I'm not good enough or I, uh, nobody loves me. And, and, and they're real thoughts. Um, what, what would you say about how we respond to that in the life of the church? What, what happens? Like if we start to notice that we're feeling isolated, that, that we feel like there's barriers to us getting connected, what, what would you say are some healthy practices for us to take? ownership of ourselves? Um, don't entertain the lie first and foremost. Yeah, come on. Because you're not alone on this journey. Yep. Jesus journeyed with people. We too journey with people. So yep. don't don't be entertaining that lie. And just reaching out, even if it's just to that one person who has said hello to you yep. on the weekend. Come and see a senior pastor. Come and see anybody that God's drawing you to in the house and say, hey, feeling a little isolated because you'll find out very quickly that that is a lie and there are people yep. who can journey with you. 100%. Who who, de- who honestly definitely want to do life. 100%. With you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like flagging this. Like me, me when I feel lost and isolated, it's almost like I feel like I'm lost at sea, and that, that I've, I've been on a ship and it's it's hit, hit an iceberg and I've yeah. jumped overboard and I'm dodging sharks. But if I just start waving yep. and, and start I don't know. Do you remember the movie Titanic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon? Do you reckon Jack could have fit on that door? I think he could have. Absolutely. I think he could have too. <laughs> but you know that bit where they they got the whistles on there. Yes. Like imagine this. Like self-imposed isolation. Self-imposed is this idea that I'm lost at sea. I know I need help, and I have a whistle here, but I don't feel I'm good enough to blow it. Hey. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. And and. Like I, I had somebody call me this morning about an urgent prayer need that he's got in his family. And I was just I was so grateful he called me. Yes. Because I wouldn't have known. That's right. Like and, and, unless we blow the whistle, yeah. we just don't know. Yeah. And I, I know sometimes people might walk into our services or join Connect Group and, and desperately want somebody to ask them the question where they, they, it's easier for them to open up. Mm-hmm. But even if you're not asked... Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Yeah. Yeah. So Wave that, your hands. And, and so what would you say to somebody right now if they're feeling like they're, they're, they're in a connect group or they're new to a connect group and they're thinking, man, I just I don't know how to start journeying with people? Hmm. What, what would you say are keys to that? If you're not feeling like you can relate to the people in the group, that's okay. Let's try another group. Yeah. Because there's lots of different groups. There's lots of different fits. We've had a lady who's been in the church for five or six years. Yep. And she came along to our group and said, do you know what? I finally found my group of people who I can relate to. Yeah. And we've had lots of deep healing there. Right. But she just needed to keep going. Yeah, sure. And find that group of people that she could connect with. Yeah, great. And now she's alive and well and thriving. Yep. And um, comes to a place now where she could probably honestly go back to all those other groups because she's built herself up. Yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah. So don't stop. 
Yeah. Don't stop looking around. I love it. Don't stop trying. Yeah. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Be active. Come on. Come on. Chuck a Titanic. <laughs> oh, don't chuck a Titanic. So there's there was two thoughts there, just talking about connect groups before we talk about um what I feel we're called into in this season. So the other thought is like there's there's isolation or that sense of self-imposed isolation. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, uh, we, we often go through significant battles where we, we do hunker down yeah. and, and definitely not pointing the finger. We're just saying, hey, it, it is important to make the choice of our own accord to say, I need help. Yes. Stand with me. The other thing that I find just in, in you know, culture abroad I don't know whether it's a, a, a byproduct of this this spam uh, phone call selling stuff, where uh, I find it really difficult with this idea: are we are we called to chase people, or are we called to invite people? Mm. So I, I just want to unpack this with you, Harriet, and uh, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I think there's a big difference. Absolutely. See, if I'm chasing people then I'm spending my time, my attention, doing everything I can to draw people in, even if maybe they're unwilling or, or they're, they're not interested. Yeah. And, and that can be exhausting. Absolutely. Because when I read the scriptures, I don't see chasing Jesus. No. What I see Jesus doing is that he walks along, he would have the audacity to say to people, in the middle of packing away their fishing nets, yes, come follow, follow me. me. And he turns around and starts walking and they leave their nets and follow him. Yes. And what I see, and, and this goes into maybe this bigger picture of the season we're in as a church, Jesus calls, we get to respond. Absolutely. And the response can be, yes, follow. Or the response could be, no, I'm good with my nets, mate. Mm. Like I have this thought, like we... For, for us in, involved in connect group leadership, connect group ministry, even just being a part of a connect group, it's like we cast the net wide. Yes. We want everybody to feel welcome and feel like there's room and we'll make a place at the table for you. We love you and we want you here. Yes. So we cast the net wide, but we can only work with the willing. Well, absolutely. It is invitational, right? Mm. And Jesus says, um, what, what did he say? He said, um, Oh, it's left me now. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Sure. There's a choice. Yep. You need to choose to draw near. You need yep. to choose to come along on the invitation yep. and be a part of. Yep. Yeah. It matters, hey? It so matters. let me ask you just before we move on to another thought. Can you recognise times in your own faith journey where you've had to make the choice to press in? And Absolutely. what difference has that made for you? Absolutely. So there are times when, like you highlighted at the start, where you can entertain the thoughts, oh, I feel a bit disconnected, oh, maybe I won't go along. But then... Wow, that's true, eh? It's so true. Like even to last week or anything like that. Wow. Where yeah. you have to make that conscious decision, no, hang on. Jesus wants me to have life and life abundantly. Yep. Jesus has yep. finished work on the cross that I can be freed and forgiven. Yeah. I'm not going to sit in these lies. Come I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to walk again. That's boldness. That's boldness. But that's also taking a hold of the truth. Yeah, come on. You know, and not entertaining those lies. Yeah. 
because it's also easy. Yeah. It's living the journey. Living the journey. Mm. Repentance at its best. <laughs> I, I love the thought because I, I've been doing a bit of a deep dive myself into uh, what it means to live called. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know about you. I, I want to tell you this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, right? I, I come to faith in Jesus when I was 16. Come from a scientific atheist family, basically, where um, I, I was not explicitly said, but God was a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And then dad has an encounter with God that he can't explain and that flows yep. on to me praying a prayer that night that dad received Jesus where it's like Jesus walked into my room. It's like couldn't deny it. Yeah. And I'd been mucking around with a whole host of other things leading up to that. I remember going to one of the first youth group meetings I'd ever been in. And, and I don't recommend this. I, I was uh, a youth leader, youth pastor six months after Receiving Jesus, which probably a bit too too early, <laughs> and and helped to uh, God definitely use that to expose a lot of things in me. But one of the first youth meetings I went to was at this this church on the main street in Kempsey in Smith Street. It wasn't the church I got saved into. It was a combined youth group night, and the youth pastor at the time starts prophesying, and I'd never seen this before. And this idea of prophesying is to I believe prophecy is to tap into the heart of God for somebody yep. and the potential that he has for them. Yep. So I, I would never approach prophecy as a guarantee. Mm. I think it opens up the potential it's calling it that, we get, yeah, that we get to enter into. And so it's the end of the message and he calls me out the front and, you know, raise your hands and he, he starts prophesying. He says, Chris, you're going to preach in front of stadiums, thousands upon thousands of people. You're going to preach to and, and and he just painted the picture. And like, I'm, I'm wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I, number one, nobody's ever noticed me. Yes. Nobody's ever called me out. Yes. Nobody's ever said such crazy things. I was just, oh, so good. And then the hilarious thing is I become the youth leader, eventually youth pastor, of a youth ministry of 40 people. Yes. And I remember getting a bit disgruntled. Okay. Because I'm walking around, and, and remember, I'm, God's de- using this to deal with my heart. I'm thinking, you said, God, you said, yes, I'm going to preach in front of thousands. And I remember God saying to me, I don't call people to specifics. I call them to carry burdens. Okay. Because to this day I've not preached in front of thousands in a crowd but yet I've ministered to people everywhere I've went. Which is thousands, right? Well, who knows? <laughs> and it's this idea that for calling in our culture, I think some people relate their calling to a role. Right. Or a position. Mm-hmm. That for me to be called, I need to do this. I reckon calling goes deeper than that. Yeah. I, I reckon if you think of a title, position, a role as calling, you're, you're thinking too small. Yeah. Because you're bigger than any title you could ever have. Mm. What do you think about that? Bigger than any title you could have. Well, it's really about the journey, isn't it? Mm. Like you journey your call. You you walk in your call. It's who you are. It's what you do. Yeah. It's not the title because then people shrink back. Come on. Because they think they have to attain. There we but go. But we're not attaining. No. We're walking in what God has us to do. That's something, isn't it? It's absolutely something. Yeah. 
and then all the shackles fall off because then it's no longer striving to be that yep. person. Yep. It's who you are. Yep. And in three Christ Jesus. Yeah, because how can you how can you be disappointed with that? Right. You know? <laughs> and uh I know that that's a weird way of saying that when I felt God say, I'm not called calling you to specifics, I'm calling you to burdens. But it's this idea of um I believe the call of God taps into something deeper than almost anything we can do in one moment. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like uh for me calling is about this core motivation that comes out of a deep-seated meaning. Yes. I find meaning in yes. this. Absolutely. I had a comment. I had a, con- a connect group last week. We went down to Rockingham Foreshore, Come on. set up picnics, set up lanterns, had Holy Communion. Come on. With worship yeah. right on the seaside yeah. in front of hundreds of people walking past. Yeah. But there was a moment in coming alive there because it wasn't an act. It was a... This is who we, who we are. This is what we want to do. And for me, it was hosting an environment where they could encounter Jesus right there on the foreshore where we could come together as a community in one mind, one accord, yeah. and partake of communion Yeah. and just bringing it centred back to Jesus. Now, that is where I come alive because that is the call. It's hosting an environment where oh. people can encounter Jesus, and that's not work for me. That's not work. That's not work. No. That is excitement. Yeah. That is creating an environment where my yeah, sisters because, can. Because if I could submit to you, I feel that your calling in life is to journey with people so that they can journey with Jesus. Absolutely. That's your calling. It's coming alive in yeah. that moment. And you, I, in, in having the opportunity to journey with you over the last uh, couple of years or so, I see that no matter what you're doing, that calling comes through. Yeah. Even in the funeral parlour. Even in the funeral parlour. Yes. There's no doubt. Yes. The calling is not contained no. to an hour and a half service on a Sunday. No way. It 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 leapfrogs that, it launches out of that. But would I could I could I just say to you, um, have you always recognized that sense of call? Or has there ever been a time in your life where, man, I just I'm not sure. Not sure what I'm called to do, called to be. There have been times where I'm not sure what I've been called to be or called to do, but it's always been in me to walk with people, to come alongside people and to encourage them. So even in those moments where I didn't recognise it, that's who I was. And so it was bringing people hope and just walking with them and encouraging them. So, yeah. And now that I know where that hope comes from, it's even more prevalent in my life. It's a good thing. Can I share a scripture with you? Sure, absolutely. So uh, there's this scripture that really resume, resonates with me about calling. It comes out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. It says this, Apostle Paul's writing, and the context is he's in house arrest. Um, he is expecting his execution. Now it happens a bit later down the track, but at this point in his life, He's expecting that he is at any point going to be executed. Oof. So imagine that. So he writes this book. We call it the Book of Philippians. Yes. It's written to a church in Philippi that was started out of the house of a, a, a woman business owner there, a seller of purple. Her name was Lydia. Lydia, yes. Um, which I just think is amazing. That, that Again, casting that wide work with the willing. Yes. 
and 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 this this church gave birth out of her home. Yes, and uh, he Paul loves all the churches that he was involved in in launching, but in particular the church at Philippi was one of the few that continued to support him no matter what. Yeah. So they would hear about what he needed help with. They, hey, we're there, Paul. Yeah. We're all in. And so they're, they're doing the journey together even though the journey's spread across long distances. Yeah. So he's writing them a letter and potentially I think in his mind he's thinking this could be the last time I speak to you. Mm. And the key theme that comes through the book is joy. Yeah, come on. He's, he's jazzed about life, jazzed about life with Jesus. And again, he's sitting there. This potentially could be dragged out at any point. Yeah. And, uh, hey, we're going to lob your head off, mate. And he writes this letter. But in particular here in Philippians 3 verse 12, it talks about calling. Yeah. It says this, not that I've already obtained all this. And what he means there is that he's talking about before this, he's saying all the work that God wants to do in us and what what he's leading us to become. And Paul just clearly says, yeah, I haven't attained it all. No. I, I'm still a work in progress. As we are. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yes. It's a powerful thought to take hold of. Yes. Like you, you and I are so much further down the track than we ever were before meeting Jesus, but there's more. So much more. It doesn't stop. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I press on. Mm. to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me Mm. heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can can I just ask, what jumps out to you? That I've not attained, but I press on. Come on. Press on to the calling to which God has attained me. Yeah. yeah. Huh? It's so good. It's this idea, I, and, and again, like the context is, he's got every reason to stop, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's about to face his end. Yeah, stuff it, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. But, yeah, he presses on. Yeah. Give me my last meal. I want I want Maccas and whatever, and I'll just wait here to cark it. <laughs> but No, he carries on with the call. He carries on. Yes. Carries on. So the thought I'd submit to you there out of that scripture that I'm convinced of is Paul did great things. Mm. He did preach in front of in front of thousands. Yeah. He did pioneer multiple churches. But his calling wasn't that. No. His calling was to pursue Jesus. Yeah, come on. And out of pursuing Pursue Jesus, Jesus, that stuff happens. Yes. Can I submit to you, what difference do you think it makes to see that our ultimate call, every single one of us, is just follow Jesus? Just follow Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the firm foundation, right? Mm. Just it's the everything. Everything will be birthed out of that, out of seeking first the kingdom of God, yep. Jesus, and all else shall be added unto. Because it's not either or. No. It's not sitting here with you now. Uh, before you go into the marketplace. It's not saying that your calling is found in the church and it's not found in the marketplace. But you, you're not only that, you're a mother, mm-hmm. you're a wife, mm-hmm. you, you're a friend. Your calling weaves in and out of all of it. Yet Jesus has to be first in it all. Yeah. 
Absolutely. As you pursue him. As you pursue him. What difference do you think it makes for our connect groups to press on with this idea that the ultimate call is to pursue Jesus and press on with everything you've got? I think it's mandate. It has to be. Yeah. We need to press on and seek Jesus. And this is where the discipleship program comes into it. Yep. We disciple each other in what it looks like to pursue Jesus. Yep. And um and then we see all these miracles and we see we see people's lives transformed mm-hmm. through their first seeking Jesus. Yep. That he becomes first and foremost. Hundred percent. Yeah. Because as we encounter God, he transforms us as yeah. we go. To know Jesus and make him known. It's not just us here. So you and I are here in our studio in the offices. Uh, it's been set up by Jason Druskett, who is our producer. Yeah, amazing, Jace. Jace isn't on camera, but he is on mic. And one of the things I love and appreciate about Jace is not only does he serve as a producer here in ministry in the life of the church, Jace is also involved in his own creative endeavours uh, with creative um, uh marketplace roles and gets involved in doing filming and editing for a whole host of things. Jace, what do you think it means for you to recognise that your calling supersedes just one specific role or one specific title? I think it comes back to what you guys said before that, um, yeah, like it, it means that I can be doing whatever and I don't feel like my identity is is tied to my job or, That's you know, right. I think it allows me to, you know, when I'm having a bad day, it's like I don't feel the need to, you know, pack it in and, and yeah. go on and find something else. Like if there's a downturn in business, yes, I don't feel the need to close up shop and, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because I know that there's something greater than that that I'm, that I'm working towards and, yeah. yeah. That's true, So Jace. good. Har- Harriet, I think Jace highlighted a good thought that I'd just love to get your thoughts on. And, it, and in line with this scripture as well, because, again, Paul could easily have given up. And Absolutely. He's saying, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to the core. I take hold of that of which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me, which I love the idea. Jesus takes hold of us takes first. Takes hold of us, And yes. we take hold of him. Yes. What would you say to somebody right now that feels like giving up? Giving up in their faith? Giving up in coming together with people? giving up in whatever area of life that they're in now, what would you say to them? Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Why, Why, Harriet? If I was that person, why? Why don't I do it? Because there's so much more. There's so much more. God has got a plan for each and every one of us, and that is that we would live life and live it abundantly. And if you're living a life short of that abundance, there's so much more. Don't give up. Yeah. Reach out. Blow the whistle. Yeah, do we're it. here. Yeah. Let's do life together. And your um, your call isn't wrapped up in your identity. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. Come on, and He's purchased that for you. Yeah, and there's so much more. Why not? Why not? Last thought we'll, we'll unpack together. I really appreciate you coming in. This is the first time we've done this, uh, and we're doing this because we desperately want to be on the same page together. Yes, one mind, one accord. Uh, and I feel the church, our church, as we journey together in all the different gifts that we have, in all the different, you know, eclecticness and in all the different gifts and grace, uh, that we actually have the opportunity to spur one another 
on in love and good works. Yes. But it is important to be on the same page. Absolutely. And and that we we recognise that God would be calling us to focus on different things in different seasons, that we would grow together in that. Yes. And so one of the things I've been processing lately is like, what does it mean to be a local church? And a local church by me means that I believe that the way God views it when he sees the city of Rockingham mm-hmm. is one church. Yeah. Every local church, individual congregation that loves him and honours him yes. is part of the whole. Yep. But I believe every local church has been planted out of an aspect of the heart of God. Yeah. Because I don't believe any one local church can express God mm-hmm. completely. No. And so that's why uh, you, you find different mandates on yep. different local churches. Yes. And, and certain people feel an affinity here, affinity there, because they're called to be a part of that. Yes. And one of our mandates, I think, is to reach the lost at all times, make things all as times. welcoming as yes. we can, and make disciples. I think that's one mandate. Mm-hmm. That it's not either or, it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, I say to you, Harriet, for our church's mandate is to reach the lost and make disciples. What part do you think Connect Groups plays in that? Connect groups definitely play a part in the disciple-making process, mm. absolutely. We do um, play a part in the winning the loss because we are. We're inviting our neighbours. We're inviting right. our friends to come along and be a part of this wonderful group of people that we've encountered who carry the heart for Jesus. Yeah. So, yes, we are a part of winning the lost yeah. um, through our connect groups, but definitely um, the mandate for connect groups would be creating disciples. Mm. Yeah. Encouraging each other to walk in the way. What what does that look like? If if you were sitting down with somebody brand new, uh, joining a connect group right now, and you said, "Hey, part of our church's mandate: reach the lost and make disciples." And let me just say, I don't think that's exclusive just to us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that we're, we're the only local church. Don't. No, I think uh, churches. many churches cover that mandate. I think our mandate Absolutely. then. Fleshes out from there. I think we're also called to be heavily involved in missions, both locally and internationally, to plant churches ultimately. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're called to maintain the altar, uh, a place of meeting with God. So it fleshes out. So imagine you're sitting with somebody who who is so new to it. And and I'm sitting here now, like, Harrietta, I, I, I don't understand. Why does this matter? What why? Do, why does this matter? That I'm a part of a connect group. What what should I expect? Oh, you should expect definitely relationship, mm. encouragement, um, and 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 pointing yourself to what it looks like to journey with Jesus. Mm. Okay, so in in the connect group setting, we can offer prayer. We can show you what prayer is. Yeah, we can um, we can introduce you to the grace of God. We can pray for your healing. Yeah. We can pray, stand with you, and encourage you. We can introduce you to what it looks like to carry the heart of Jesus, yeah, come on. and what it is, what what he his heart is for you. Yeah, because yeah. we get to flesh it out together. Flesh it out together, absolutely. What do you reckon? Is there anything that you'd you'd want to throw back at me, or you'd want to unpack before we wrap it up? So, your part of your journey, what did discipleship look like for you? I can, well, it, it was a bit of both. Like uh, I, I went to Fredericton Christian New Life Centre was the first church I ever set foot in 
And I was really weirded out. There wasn't any stained glass windows. <laughs> and uh, they had a guitar, they had drums, they were clapping. So it was so strange. But at the end of the service, the associate pastor, Phil Maney, uh, who, who I love and respect, he, he officiated Mona Rhiannon's wedding ceremony. He introduced Rhiannon and I to the nation of Cambodia. He took it upon himself to notice that there was this 16-year-old gangly kid with long unkept hair and brought over a young adult, yeah. Ben Lassiter, and introduced us. And on the spot he said to Ben, uh, Ben, could you drop around at Chris's house? When Chris, when's going to work for you? I think we decided Wednesday evenings. Yep. I'll come for the first one. Yep. But Ben, would you be able to teach Chris what, what this is all about? And I'm convinced to this day there's probably two things I remember that helped me stick it out to begin with. Because I, I encountered God in my room when I prayed. Yep, beautiful. But sometimes people don't go past that encounter. Mm, they don't take that next. Because they don't know what to do. Yeah. Like you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And what was critical to me is that uh, Phil Maney, Ben Lasseter, rocked around to my house on Wednesday night, which I thought was really strange. 16 years old, I, I was, you know, used to go on the parties with goon bags on washing lines and thinking that's what you did to hang out. That's the right. idea that you're sitting down and opening out the Bible together was so weird. Yeah. But I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I felt like the words were alive but I didn't yeah. know what they meant. Yeah. And so what happened is um, I remember that first time. We're sitting in the back room. Uh, Phil's there, leads the discussion a bit. I don't remember what we talked about. But the key thing for me, though, is that from that Wednesday, Ben came over every Wednesday, I think, for about, I don't know, half a year. Yeah. And he journeyed. He journeyed with me. Mm-hmm. And eventually my brother ended up jumping in with us as well, my younger brother, Matt. And so we became a connect group. Mm-hmm. And we just we went through the basics. Now, I will say we followed a study guide. Yes. And the study guide was a new believer study guide. I don't think you can get it now. I just went through everything from what is salvation mm-hmm. to baptism, baptism, what is communion. and But the cool thing is we just used the study guide as a launching pad. Yes. So I, I think study guides are important because it gives you uh, structure, but you need to have sense and structure. Mm-hmm. And so the, the study guides just give you a baseline that you can then riff on. Yes. Like it's okay to have a connect group where hopefully we're – we're engaging with this sort of teaching together. Yeah, sure. But then the discussion riffs yes. and goes where point. it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the key for me was consistency. Yeah. I can't really remember any specific ones outside of, remember once we prayed in my carport together about the youth of Kempsey. I saw my first vision. Oh, beautiful. I, I, saw, I saw darkness over my, my town. I was in a city. <laughs> and uh, I saw darkness rear back, like somebody pulled a cloth back, but I saw a face in the darkness. Oh. That's the first vision I ever saw in prayer. But that happened in a connect group. Yeah. And so for me it's like this idea of consistency is key. I just, it's because Ben kept at it, I kept at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then six months after that, Ben and I started a youth ministry together. He journeyed with me for the next six months before he then moved on to Bible college. I was going to go and join him at Bible college. And I remember praying in the car park there at the church 
Fredericton Christian New Life Center. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I'll bless you if you go, but if you go, there's nobody here to minister to the youth like you are ministered to. Mm. So that was his journey, not yours. That's right. Mm. So I stayed for the next six years. Yeah. And I was a volunteer youth pastor for seven years. Yeah. And key was consistency in Ben meeting with you because he was discipling you on what it was like to follow Jesus, hear his voice, yep. pray. Ben, ben, ben modelled it. He modelled it. Uh, he was an example. He let me ask whatever question I wanted. Mm-hmm. There was nothing off limits. If he didn't know, he didn't know. He said, I'll study it out. Yes. Uh, he became a safe person. Yeah. And to this day, Ben, Ben, I consider him a lifelong friend. Yeah. Uh, I would not be who I am today without journeying mm. with him. Yeah. The journey matters. Who you journey, journeying with people matters. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's both sided. He needed to choose to journey with me. I needed to choose to journey with him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why connect groups matter, hey? Yes. Absolutely. So is there any final thought you'd say about what it means to live out our calling, especially as we meet together in our connect groups? I think let it be natural occurrence. Let it be who God is in and through you. Mm. Let your flavour sit and come together and encourage each other and watch God move in your midst. Create the atmosphere where people can encounter Jesus where you can have deep relationships and grow together. I love it. Yeah. Let's keep building. Let's keep building. <laughs>